0: Welcome, everybody, to Hope for Our Times. Uh, just so grateful to see that we got so many people tuning in online with us, so welcome. Uh, my name is Pastor Tim Thompson. I am filling in for Pastor Tom Hughes tonight as he's away, and uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm the uh, senior pastor of 412 Church in Marietta here in Southern California, and I also uh, run a, uh, basically, a political activist group uh, where we, we really try to get involved in our culture, and find out how people with a Judeo-Christian mindset, a biblical worldview, can engage ourselves into the culture and affect change. And that organization is called Our Watch. And I'm just so blessed that Pastor Tom would have me fill in tonight. And I'm really excited to have a friend of mine who has been engaged in the political arena has been really finding ways to not just talk about the the issues, because he does talk a lot. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but not just talk about these things, but actually engage, actually get involved, actually be a part of the solution instead of just talking about the problem. And so please say hello to my friend Don Dix.
1: Great to be with you, Tim. Thank you for having us yeah. out, and uh, so appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really uh, a great audience. The Hope for Our Times audience is just incredible. Uh, these are men and women who love the Lord. These are men and women whose eyes are open. You guys are paying attention to prophecy. You're paying attention to what God said we're supposed to be looking for. And you're looking into the culture and saying, what is God doing? <laughs> what is Satan, Satan doing? Because uh, they're both at work here. Um, but you guys are people who want to be informed properly, and so you tune into this program, and, and it really is a great audience. Um, now, Don, we, we've we been been friends for a while now. We both got involved in this political arena. Um, me as a pastor, you as a talk show host, uh, you're the, the co-host of the Jen and Don show on 8590 The Answer, and um, God really thrust us into this.
1: That's an understatement yeah. I have, uh... I've had the opportunity to traveling down this road to talk to a lot of people that are finding themselves engaged in the culture, uh, from a political activist perspective, from uh, a whole variety of perspectives. And this, there's been an explosion of folks involved, becoming more aware, becoming more concerned. Since really 2008, here in America, at least across this country, right? and the opportunity talk to people outside of California, the other states, and get into a little bit of their history. how many of them were politically agnostic in terms of being involved. A lot of people felt that being politically involved was doing their, uh, was, was voting every two years. Or, you know, that once in a while where you get the uh, notice in the mail to go serve on the jury duty that you were doing civic responsibility to serve the community. Um, one of the things I've learned, and hopefully this will become part of our conversation, uh, one of America's foremost Supreme Court jurists, uh, Judge Brandeis, said, he was a Supreme Court judge in the early 1900s, said the most important political office in the country is that of private citizen. And I think that resonates. One, And it's part of the reason why I've traveled down this road is raised in a time when civics played a predominant role in elementary school. I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, there's a ton of history in Baltimore and in our I grew up. Everywhere you look, there's something of a historical significance as it relates to the founding of this country, uh, as it relates to the Civil War. There's Civil War battlefields all throughout. To the American Pennsylvania. And we would visit them and a very deep appreciation for what folks have done to grow this country and get to where it's at today. And now we're seeing the dismantling of all of that. And so
0: that's kind of a topic of the day what the heck is going on? Right, right. Um, A dismantling of our history, a dismantling of our way of life. I, I hear you quote that that jurist, um, that of the private citizen. Yep. There is so much power that we as Americans have, for those of you that are tuned in, I know there's people from all over the world that watch, uh, but if you're living here in America, the, the power that we have as a private citizen should not be neglected.
1: No. In fact, hearing the you know, how former government here in the United States, the Constitutional Republic, and there's actually a process for what I call the proper care, it's not just voting, and it's not just serving a jury and it's not just watching the news. It's taking an active role in what it holds in our communities, in our cities, in our school districts, in our counties, our states, and the federal government. There's a lot to this, and it's because of, you know, when we talk about the dismay of America, one of the things I regard as a key component of that is the, the removal of that conversation. From elementary uh, school, you know, second, third, and fourth grade, we learned and read the uh, Constitution, we did uh, preamble, uh, the Bill of Rights, the, the uh, Declaration of Independence, we read all that, we studied them. Um, not just like, you know, you would be getting a doctorate, but in terms of getting an appreciation of what, what what. civics is going on. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, they've replaced that with the transgender ideology. That's more important for them right. to teach. Um, you know, I, I love that quote, the, the, that of the private citizen. A lot of people have asked me, because as a pastor, I've been getting so involved in the political arena. People say, well, when are you going to run for office? And I tell them, listen, I, I'm not going to run for office, because if I do, I give up you the give power up. I have as a private citizen. You
1: give up political power.
0: Right. In the
1: of California global issues, in the Constitution of California, all political power is in the people. The problem is most people have forgotten how to properly wield that power and how to use it to maintain this structure that we have in this constitutional republic, and now we have chaos throughout the United States because there's a lot of people who have been raised to believe that America is a broken racist to hate America, It racist the hate the history that America has, its relationship with slavery, although we were one of the few countries in the world that fought a war against slavery, although we're one of the few countries that have done the things that have done legislatively to move past racism, uh, people are now pointing to America as a racist country in the reason we
0: care about Right, right, and you know, I think of uh, the role of pastors in this. Um, obviously, I don't. I don't want to give up my the position I have as a private citizen, but also as a pastor. You know, there's biblically we, we look and we find in the scriptures all throughout the scriptures is replete with the priests holding the kings accountable. The the idea of priests and kings. You know, the the people who represent God to you know the people to God, and and there's also the kings who are in the government, and the priests are supposed to hold the kings accountable. And what we're finding in our nation is that the pastors are not doing that. They're not filling that role, you know, their priestly duty. They're not, they're not filling that role of holding elected officials accountable, especially elected officials that say right. they're Christians. And that is what I've endeavored to do is, is hold those people accountable because we look at the pulpits in America today. First of all, um, 70, roughly 70% of pastors in America don't even believe this. Right. They, they don't even believe in the inerrancy and the infallibility of Scripture. So if they don't believe this, they're not teaching it rightly because you have to believe this to teach it rightly, you know. So they they don't even understand what God said in these things. They don't know what to look for. They're not they're not telling their churches, hey, this is what we got to look for. And because of that, then we're not engaging in the politics the way we should. Because let's face it, we have politicized every biblical moral issue we can think of. We politicized borders which God's the one that sets up borders right. We politicized gender, God created male and female. We politicized marriage, God instituted that. We politicized sexuality. I mean you start running the list of all the things you know life whether you know whether life is an intrinsic value and, and uh, a part of the Christian life of valuing life. All of these things have been politicized, and and so people from the pulpit don't even want to address these things anymore, because I don't get
1: political. Right. The government has successfully co-opted issues that should be uh, directed through a faith-based plans into a political world. And now you have all kinds of corrupt theology entering churches. Liberation theology is one that I been. trying to learn a lot about, but it's driven uh, some of what we're hearing, which is based in Marxism, and that is the creation of this dynamic of oppressor versus oppressed, and everything that was defined in terms of that. You know, everything we're seeing unfold in the streets of America is defined as, uh, I'm oppressed or you're the oppressor, and that's where the conflict comes from today.
0: Right. So, in that, what you're talking about, cultural Marxism, Um, We see that at play. Another part of cultural Marxism is you create the problem, you become the solution to that problem, and then you get glorified in the end of that. So we're seeing this where we have many solutions, I mean, many uh, problems being created, and the solutions are, are unrealistic. And all of these things are going on here in California, and we're seeing how California is kind of, as you said, it's like a metaphor for what's going on. Worldwide. So let's talk about California and the things that are going on. If you could name the one issue today that's going on that you think is is the most pressing, what would that be? Education.
1: Yeah. Uh, And and it's not necessarily education, but one of the things that I think that's happened in America over the last three years, um, we had a change, a peaceful change in power on November 8th, 2016, which is one of the blessings of America. And that is is still various different sides of you know, the way that something is viewed and you know, from the ballot box to fight your battle. And now what we're seeing is that that battle has been moved from the ballot box onto the street. And that's what's been unfolding. Donald Trump as president, like him or not, whether, no matter what you might feel about him as a person or him as a political leader, or as a man in his own struggles. The one thing that the presidency of Donald Trump has done, that era of Donald Trump, is it's peeled back the protective code that existed, that's killed a lot of the institutions in America from being exposed as having traveled down that road of corrupt thinking, this cultural Marxism, whether it's entertainment, whether it's education, What's the one in right. uh, the U.S.? Or even the bureaucracies. Education, which was, you know, was established, the public education sector, which was established back in the beginning of the 1900s, had as its objective to separate children from parents. So right from the very beginning, you've got this dynamic set up where parental rights began to be and ever since the, the establishment of uh, public education, we see that grow to a place where a lot of what you and I got involved in when we first met was the introduction of this medium sexual education curriculum that on the surface, well, we need to teach kids about this fact parents aren't. Well, now that education, when we know it for what it is, is not really about that. It's about separating parents' rights and parents from their children. Right. And so it, the one issue um, that I see unfolding about how is it that we have uh, tens of thousands, I hope it's not hundreds of thousands, tens of thousands of people taking the streets, most of them young, know, most of them who never uh, received the kind of understanding that we got in public education when we were younger, now they've been raised in America, which if we move that out on a global stage, if America falls, America really is the light of liberty and freedom for the world. And President Reagan, you know, talked a lot about that. If if this country falls, it will be good to reach the direct result of those building blocks of family, of nationalism, of uh, law and order that have slowly been removed from the fabric of our country. And Mexican health, the whole thing, it came in to. Take your towards of globalism, right? which talks about nationalism as a threat to the world, globalist world order. Right. And right. We're still so educated. Education. education is this, where all of this is tearing down. And it's not just an American issue, that's all across the world.
0: Right. And, you know, I hate to agree with the governor here in California, uh, but I have to agree with him on one thing. He said very famously that as California goes, so goes the nation. And so as we we talk about what's taking place here, we know that this has huge implications on how the rest of the country is going to go. And like you said, if America falls, we're going to see we will be launched into globalism. We know there is an antichrist, wants to rule the world, and at some point he's going to have an opportunity to do that for a very short-lived time. Uh, and then God's going to come and wipe the floor with him. And, and we look forward to that because we'll be coming back with him for that. Um, but we, we know this, that, um, that he's after our children. He's after the very fabric of our families, the, the fundamental thing that sets us up as a family. So we, we see in the public school system, like you said, this desire to tear down the relationship between parent and child to where the child has more rights in the public school system than the parent does. In fact, in the state of California, on our campuses, once we once the kids get back into the campuses, right. um, we're at a point in time now where children without their parents' knowledge or consent, they can go and get an abortion. Children without their parents' knowledge or consent on campus can get transgender therapy because of the Children's Hospital um, network. You have Children's Hospital Orange County, which is just, uh, well, it's only 20 minutes from you. Uh, Children's Hospital Los Angeles, these children's hospitals are putting what they call wellness centers in the public schools. Okay. And it, basically what it is, it's just a place where kids can go get transgender therapy without their parents knowing about it.
1: You, you know, being know. a kid is confusing enough, right? right? I mean, you've got a lot of stuff going on in your body chemically. You've got a lot of stuff going on in your head. Uh, you know, there's peer pressure. A lot of things happen in elementary school and you The question of well, am I really a boy or a girl? I mean, that's what a have Right. But yes, education uh, is the key uh, issue. And unbeknownst to, you know, we had this global pandemic of COVID virus, and here in California, throughout America, throughout the world, uh, the way that they sought to deal with that was to shut down the economy, put us into a self-induced coma. But what that also did was, requiring the kids to stay at home and get what they call distance learning from school, all of a sudden now the parents are involved in this? thing, is this your learning? Or the other side of it is, you're not really learning anything at all Is this distance learning isn't working out so well. And parents are being introduced to the whole concept of homeschooling over homeschooling now. How much more difficult is it gonna be in the fall or moving forward? There's so many benefits to homeschooling. Remember, before the establishment of public education in the United States, everybody was homeschooling. Right. I mean, for for the first 120 years in this country, people, 130 years, people were homeschooling. And it worked out really well. So taking back control of that means is probably one of the unanticipated dynamics from this uh, pandemic. and to
0: it by our governors and by all the leaders. Right. Um, okay, so public public school system, um, public yeah, so let's take a look at, at other things that are going on in the state, and we know that it's going to, that this is kind of bleeding out into everywhere. So we've got um, Black Lives Matter tearing down statues, basically trying to revise our history. Yep. This is going on at breakneck speed.
1: Well don't know your history, it's very easy to rip it down. Part of the, uh, part of what I see happening is, okay, so you want to go rip down a statue of somebody who was a, who was a slave owner that had a uh, significant role in America's history. Well, now you're tearing down statues of people that, like you listen to this brand, uh, people who know no, in fact, fought slavery abolitionists, those statues, so now it's becoming very indiscriminate which tells me this was never about tearing down the statues of slave owners. This is tearing down history. And the great prophet, i to air quotes, George Orwell wrote in his book how important it was to rip apart history and to separate a culture from its history so that you can run that culture, to move it in a direction that is you, you lose touch with history, Touch with what creates the uniqueness of your culture, but beyond that, um, what you begin to lose sight of is that there is no new history in the time. History repeats itself over and over again. So if we don't have the lessons of the past to learn from, to learn what was it, you know, um, se- Senator uh, Tim Kennedy from Virginia said the United States created slavery we can create slavery, true, it, became, it was part of America because it was part of the world but we moved away from slavery um, eventually. But my point is if you don't know the battles that were fought to get to this point, you, you, you can easily repeat America as a structurally racist country. If you don't know, see the amazing racism, and I don't mean that in a positive way, I mean that I in mean a huge way, the racism that existed in this country and in the world what you think racism is new in America. Right. America, It's not. Racism exists. In fact, one of the things that uh, um, i agree is that uh, blacks in Africa actually uh, rail against blacks in America because of their uh, of the culture, you know, the whole um, uh, culture, um, the way that, that they're expressing their dissatisfaction with their lives. They, don't, they don't look at, at, at the black experience and they look well at, at blacks in America twice. Like, you can't have a clear your heritage and, and embrace that. It's not, um, so racism, all even in Mexico. You have racism between uh, groups that have Asian background and groups that have you know, the Spanish background. There's racism everywhere. It's, it's part of the human existence which gets you back to all humans are broken
0: Right, and it gets us back to the scriptures that tell us, and if you're a student of the Bible, and I assume you tune in to Hope for Our Times, and you're a student of the Bible, um, one thing you know is that this doesn't catch us by surprise. God said that in the latter times, in those end days, that nation will rise against nation. Um, We look at this, kingdom against kingdom, and the whole idea is ethnos. It's where we get our, our term ethnic from. It's People group will rise against people group, and it's exactly what we're seeing. And we're seeing this ramp up. We're seeing this um, real, we're seeing this escalate in ways that I've never seen it escalate. I know we've had race riots here in America, but we're seeing this because of social media, for the ability for us to have something happen in one place, and then people scan it out to, to sure
1: everybody,
0: to videotape it, video it, and put it on. I mean, now we're seeing people group against people group. At breakneck speed and in, in ways we've never even imagined possible. So we're seeing yet again prophecy come to light right in front of us, and it shouldn't; these things should not catch us by surprise not at all. all.
1: No. But there's something that you talked about and something that I know like, that Pastor Tom Hanks has talked about. And I feel like there are more and more people that are stepping up into this role of justice before we turn on Essentially, what Brandeis was talking about the most important political office is that of private citizens. We have roles within our republic, and we have roles, we should have roles within our communities, within our world, where people are watching what's going on and warning everybody about what's happening. We're, and this is what you're talking about, like the role of, uh, of, of pastors today should be as a part of that watchman. But where are the watchmen? Where are the people that are saying, Here come the, the armies of the the wars. We to watch out for that. Where are those
0: right, right? Well, the, the Bible is really clear that that in the end times that people will no longer endorse sound doctrine. They don't want to hear it. They're going to heap up for themselves preachers that will tickle their ears. And this is what we have in the pulpits. Definitely in America, um, we have we have a vast majority of pastors that don't. Like I said, they don't believe this. of pastors in America do not believe in the inerrancy and the infallibility of God's Word. Those two words just mean this. Everything that's in the Bible is right, correct, perfect, does not contradict itself, doesn't change. It is completely solid and trustable. Um, If 70% don't believe that, then what is it that they're preaching? And I've watched messages from from so-called pastors in America that'll go on for 45 minutes, an hour, and never once is the Word of God even mentioned. So it's just the philosophy of man. Now, when you're just teaching the philosophy of man, what that tells us is just do what's right in your own eyes. And if you read the Bible, we see this all you know through the book of Judges over and over again. People doing what's right in their own eyes, and they end up falling. They, you know, they realize, man, this is not good, and I need somebody to come and help me and rescue me. And then God rescues them, and they do good for a while, and then they start doing what's right in their own eyes. You've got pastors who have been given a list of things to be watching for. And they're supposed to be able to take the Word of God, look out into the horizon. Not just like, oh, what's on my doorstep, but let me look down the road. Let me see what dangers are coming. God already told us these things are going to take place, so what's supposed to take place? You know, we, we look at, you know, the budding of the fig tree. We've seen that. In our lifetime, we've seen people who were, were alive when that happened, 1948, and neither of us were alive. But
1: the fig tree is what? Israel. Okay.
0: And so we've seen so the those, budding of the fig, fig tree. Trees. Right, they'd right. They'd so this budding of the fig tree, we see Israel birth in ni- 1948, mm-hmm. May fourteenth, 1948. Um, God said that that would happen, that the generation that saw that take place would not perish before the great day of the Lord, before he comes back. So here's the thing. All of those things we should be watching for right now. Pastors and pulpits across America should say, okay, God said this would happen. Is it happening? Let me look around. Yes, it is. Okay. Church. Warning, warning, you know, it's like uh, uh, the robot on uh, Locks of, of Space. Danger, yeah. Will Robinson, danger, danger yeah. you know, like pay attention. Something's happening. Danger, danger, you know. We should be blowing the trumpets right now. Pastors in America should be blowing the trumpets because God said when you see these things begin, start, when they begin, not when they're actually going on, but just they're starting to happen. Right. Folks, folks, we're there. These things are starting to happen. We're supposed to look up because our redemption draws us. So, so we're at that time. Pastors should be sounding the alarm. And yet, what are they talking about? I want to give you ten steps to be the best you you can be. Uh, ten, five ways to have a right marriage. You know, all these you know, forty ways to health and wealth. You know, they have all these messages that are not preparing people for the time we're in right now.
1: That might have been fine 15, 20 years ago. Yeah, but it doesn't work it, now. It, it, it probably wasn't even fine then, but the point is, we are in a place where you've got to have a crystal clear vision and understanding of what is actually unfolding in California, in America, in the world. And if you don't have a clear and accurate understanding of what these events are, and it's problem is there's so much going on, right. whether it's on an international scale or you know, on a national scale and what's going on in countries that are our neighbors and the relationships between adversarial countries to America and the rest of the world, the, the, the relationship between China and America and so forth, there's a lot to pay attention to. Which, are those, which of those are the important things to pay attention to? So there's a there's a uh, there's a strategy of the devil that is actually at play, the that I think if you pay attention, because it's all boils down to the struggle between good and and the manifestation of that here uh, on planet Earth, because this is planet Earth who wants to go. Yeah.
0: Well, ultimately to God. Right now, right, Satan is right the now, Satan. Uh, the one yeah. ruling right now.
1: Rules. Yeah. A, a figure. And so when you, when you look at this uh, struggle between, I mean, and if, if you look at some of the people uh, that are engaged in some of this activity, and there's a vacancy, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's almost, I don't mean to say but there's, you can, you can literally see the uh, possession inside of these people, so, that are winging and doing a lot of this damage. I mean, I could know, I could know I could be a part of a peaceful protest walking down the street, but I could go more, uh, throw a rock through a window or pour a statue down or punch uh, Somebody that I don't know on the street would see that happening a lot now. It's just violence on you know, within, you know, within their own factions. Um, that just doesn't occur to me to do. So what is it within somebody's soul mm-hmm. that says it's okay it's
0: yeah. You've got two, two different things at play in that, what you're talking about, Don. You've got the leaders, like you said, um, where you almost see a possession of these people. And, and we have to understand, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. We're, we are dealing with a very spiritual battle. And I, I look at certain people, using the gift of discernment of spirits that I have, I look at certain people and I can see, I can discern what's going on in them, that they are held captive. And they are doing the will of Satan. And, and I see this at play. So you've got the leaders who are demonically possessed, without a doubt. And they are giving instructions and setting things in motion. And then they then they step back and, and laugh at these things. Then you've got the masses of people who are, again, held captive by the enemy to do his will. Um, and, and you talk about zombie-like, almost zombie-like. So... These are people that's like you. Sometimes you want to go hello, like do you not see what's going on? Do you not see what you're a part of? Do you not see how this isn't right? Now here's here's what the Bible tells us in Second Thessalonians um, chapter two, because it it talks about all these things that are going to take place. Um, God says that because they did not receive the love of the truth that might be that they might be saved, right? So the idea is they are people that are going to perish. Why are they going to perish? They've rejected the truth. They don't want to hear the truth. You know, and, and who is the truth? I mean, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, right. and the life. And we live in a time where people have rejected the truth, exactly like the Bible said. And it says, and for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, that she, they should believe the lie and that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. These people will have Strong delusion. That word for strong, what it implies is that there's a supernatural element at work. Yeah. It's not just that they're delusional. And we see people that are delusional. Oh. I'm seeing right now people that have a supernatural work of delusion, where I believe that that yeah. process is going It is. Su- it's the only thing to explain what's going on, where you can have so many people worldwide buying into this same rhetoric. They're delusional, and it's a supernatural work. Um, I see it in every sphere, you know, the, from the BLM protest, people thinking this is okay, um, they have the right to do that, and yet I get arrested when I go and I peaceably preach at a peaceable protest to keep churches open in California, you know.
1: The democracies are multiplying. That's a great one where uh, the media, as an example, gives a complete pass to the people that are out protesting. doesn't even mention social distancing or masks. Then you have folks that go to the state's capital with the another, because I do believe that we do have issues in America with regards uh, the overreach of power by police. I think that there are things that can be done to improve We can always make our system better. I don't so much see institutional racism as the uh, existence of systemic institutional racism. Right. There may be places where that exists. But bring it back to, um, what you see in these people's faces and eyes and the fact that they have been deceived. That's the work. It is clear that there is this spiritual battle that's and we can no longer have a peaceful conversation about fixing what, self-regard as a systemic problem we now have to take to the streets and why is that really what the riots are about? This is a power grab uh, that has been in place that's been unfolding in America and around the world for 60 and 70 years. You know, when they took God out of the schools, when they talk about removing and commandments from the public square, when they on this notion of separation of church and state that was never really a part of what was intended to be. It was a letter from Thomas Jefferson to a friend who was a pastor, Talking about how we don't want the government institution, a specific church like they have in England. But never was it intended that the foundation of, 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 of civilization, of a, of a just civilization, would be removed from the public school in Seriously? We just had a cross here in southern California. A oh, river. Yeah, Riverside. Yeah. Uh, a, a cross so federal.
0: frustrating.
1: Is the predominant feature of the landscape in Southern California, uh, was defaced by Native Americans because they felt that um, the existence of that cross, the existence of um, this, this country was a slight, it, is, they called this Native, native land, and it did land, Native land. Um, you know, when you start the clock on interpreting who the land belongs to, I mean, you can dial that back to thousands of years if you want to solve whatever you
0: know your issue is. If- right,
1: right, but uh, again, it's about it's about dividing. Us there it is. Creating this right. Fragmenting.
0: Right, and it's just more clear evidence that you see people group against people group, and we see again prophecy coming true right in front of our very eyes, that, that lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Look at the lawlessness that's abounding. I mean, this is lawlessness. And you can see that the love of, of many is right. growing cold. Um, it's it's difficult to watch, and yet God already told us all these things would happen. Yep. To me, that's the really incredible thing for us. I mean, as, as, as hard as it is to watch some of this going on, for those of us that are believers, we have the Holy Spirit in us. It's kind of exciting to go, okay, well this is the time that I live in. I live in the time that God spoke of and wrote of 2,000 years ago, 2,500 years ago, 2,700 years ago. These things were written down so we would know, and as we come closer to that time, people would see it, and and they would have an understanding that the wise would see and know.
1: I have a question for you.
0: Yeah. Wait a minute. I'm interviewing you.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's your question, Don?
1: So, Programs call hope for our time. Yeah, to understand the purpose of that. Um, we need to understand prophecy. We need to, and one of the things that I regard the as a to in that area, and talking to and, uh, folks like that that's studying prophecy. i hear a fellow Christian say, well, we know how it ends. We know what's gonna happen, therefore I can just sit back and watch it unfold, because because God's in control. Is that really what we're supposed to do as Christians? sit back and watch this unfold, or are we supposed to have an active role in, more, you know, I everything mean, from watching the world about this, or uh, taking a role in protecting, uh, you know, life, protecting lives, protecting, um, you know, law and order, all the things that the national I mean, what's our role as Christians in, in that regard? Yeah,
0: well, Jesus made it really clear, made it real easy for us. Uh, he told us, you're going to be two things. Know what they are? Salt and light. That's what he said. You're going to be these two things. You are the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world. Um, those two things carry with them some very clear-cut identities. Salt is a preservative. That's what it does. Salt, and that's what they used it for in that time. We didn't, they didn't have refrigerators. They didn't have freezers. They, they put salt on the meat. They packed it with salt, keep all the decay off of it, so that way it would last longer. So it preserved. It, it stopped decay. It stopped the, the bacteria from getting in there and, and making that meat bad, right? right? Uh, so it created a protective layer around that. That's what God says we are. So as you and I endeavor to live our lives out until he comes back, we are supposed to be the preservative in our community. When we see these types of things happening, we don't go, oh, well, you know, God will deal with it in the end. No, God will deal with it right now with his people. Now, bear in mind, the first thing is we have to be holy. We have to repent. We have to be right with the Lord. But as we live our lives and endeavor to be holy, we are to preserve our community. And not only are we the preservative that salt is, but we're light. And light reveals what's there. It reveals the wickedness that lies in the darkness. And for people to say, well, you know what? God's going to take care of this. I'm just going to sit back here in my house, on my couch. I'm going to watch the news and get mad, but I'm not going to do anything because, you know, God's already got this worked out. No, God worked it out 2,000 years ago when he says, listen, I'm not leaving you orphans. Okay, I'm going to send you a helper. You're going to have my Holy Spirit with you. He's going to give you the ability to exemplify those those fruits of the Spirit. You're going to have love and joy and kindness, patience, peace, gentleness, self-control all those things we need to live how He's called us to live, but He's going to give us gifts, gifts of discernment, gifts of, of teaching, give, you know all these spiritual gifts. They're not to just be sit on the couch and just, say, oh, well, I have this gift, but I'm not going to use it. We are to get out and actually affect change in our community and preserve it, reveal the wickedness that's there. And as we do that, we find ourselves very busy awaiting the return of Jesus because when He comes back, He gives this parable of, of two different groups, so you have one well one whole group of virgins. There's ten virgins, but in those this group of ten virgins, you've got two different groups. You got five whose lamps are filled, right? Their vessels are filled with oil, and the other ones are nothing, empty. You know, at one point, you know they all were filled up, but these five are just drained down. Now they're waiting for the groom to come back, they're waiting for Jesus essentially. Okay. Um, when the groom comes, five are ready. Five are like, hey, we are filled, we are ready, we've been watching, we've been waiting, we're we're here and ready to go because we've stayed on it. The other five are like, Well, oh, we didn't have any oh, can we can we get some of that? Is can we buy some of yours? They're like, Hey, listen, if you weren't ready, you weren't paying attention, you weren't engaged, you weren't aware you know, too late. Too late. You know, and so we have to be watching, we have to be filled with God's spirit, we have to be effective for God. We don't just sit on the sidelines, it's a great question, Don.
1: So, the things that we're doing that we are active in keeping the Republic, that we're active in uh, watching over the way that uh, all the way down, throughout all the political subdivisions in this country, that we're watching those people do what they do and pushing back when they overreach, um, guiding them with our ideas about to make it better. Uh, That's a Christian role in government.
0: So, Christian role in government. And it is essential that the pastors lead in that. Now, you know, in, in California here, we, we don't have a lot of pastors leading in that area. Of course, we have Pastor Tom Hughes, who's been a, a tremendous leader. Um, we have Pastor Rob McCoy, who, who, come on, Pastor Rob McCoy, the guy's just awesome. we got Pastor Jack Gibbs. I mean, look at, look at those guys doing what they're doing, leading the way, being the salt, being the light, From the pulpit and being the example to lead the congregations to get up out of the pews, get up off the couch, get out into the culture. Not only vote, because voting's important, but there's other things that we can do because, like I said earlier, as California goes, so goes the nation. And as this nation goes, we're seeing worldwide ramifications. So we've got to get out and get involved.
1: And those folks that don't necessarily have the form of government, we're seeing in other countries how uh, the Christian church has been marginalized. You look at what's happening in England. Look at what's happening in Europe. Uh, there are churches that are going empty, churches that have been around for hundreds, almost thousands of years, that are languishing. And the churches are empty. There's been this marginalization of Christianity yeah. uh, on so many different levels, even the university. Harvard, Yale, because all of these, church, all of these uh, institutions of learning were established as Christian universities right. that bear no resemblance to any of them any longer. In fact, all those teaching people, uh, particularly in law, to go out and fight against uh, and, and, and be a force for uh, you know, the legal system in this country and push back against uh, Christian areas.
0: Right. Right. And it's almost as though America is like the last frontier. You know, we, we look at, well, we have a mutual friend, Katie Hopkins, mm-hmm. over there in the U.K., and I explain some of the, the draconian measures that have been put in place right. that, that are happening around us right now. We, we take a look at the, uh, the rise in the transgender movement within the public school systems, and we talk to Katie, and Katie's like, look, Tim, you guys are just catching up. We've been doing this for years. This is this has been widespread. You know, I start telling Katie, you know, we got a mosque that's popping up here. She's like, "Come on, Tim. We've got mosques everywhere in the UK. We're inundated. Islam has spread everywhere. And here we are, watching that happen in America. Like I said, it's almost like we're the last frontier. We have to to stand. We have to fight if we want to see the America for our children and their children and their children. We've got we to gotta do something as we await the return of Christ.
1: Yeah, that's part of the reason why I have, you know, taken the route that I have. It's, it's a daunting task because now that we see in the fullness of today's uh, news headlines how much the institutions that are supposed to be safeguarders of a lot of what we're talking about are actually now undermining uh, that. Order, if you will, the rule of law and, law and order. I mean, you know, the president talks a lot about uh, law and order. We saw uh, an administration that used the institutions of law and order politically right. in the last 15 years. Um, there is so much work to be done, but you can do it anyway. You, know, you, you organize this you to get people involved that they need that had been um, fought out of us, if you will, um, people need to be retaught. How do you protect and preserve a const- this form of
0: government, a constitutional uh, form of government, a republic? Uh, I, so you said, how do you? And I, I think it's important that we discuss that how do you, because there's some hope in that. Um, Colorado was taken over taken over by the radical left. Yes. And they have a blueprint on how to do that. You want
1: to talk about that? There is a book. There is that I encourage people in America to get that uh, it, it, it documents how for progress starting with $15 million dollars back in the mid-2000s and went to Colorado with the express purpose of flipping it from a red state to a blue state, and they did it. Now they've moved on to Texas. Now around Texas is an extension of that. What's the fruit of that? I wish we could play this video clip right now for folks to illustrate what the fruit of that is, but I can paraphrase what a candidate for city council of in the had been said in April of 2019. Uh, during a uh, candidate forum, she said, uh, capitalism is an exchange, and we all know Elizabeth is extracted, and that she advocates for the community ownership of land, labor, and resources, and the community distribution of those resources, land, labor, and resources. That is partisan. By. By. You're exactly right. You have that down here, underscored by any means necessary. When you hear people, this happened just recently with Martha McNally on Fox News, out there of the Black Lives Matter movement on her show. She said, if, if we can't get what we want, we need to burn the system down. You can take that literally or figuratively, but we're going to do it by any means necessary. And that's what we're seeing today. They think this is a pure power play to institute. Everything that you said, community ownership or labor, labor and resources, well what is that? That's communism, that's socialism, that's Marxism. This is what, and today in America, we have over socialists, self destructive self-acknowledged socialists that are in political positions throughout America from city council all the way up to, um, you know, in some cases, governor. These are people that would like to The whole system transformed, like Barack Obama said. We're five days away from fundamentally transforming America.
0: He wasn't lying, was he?
1: At all, No, he was very serious in fact. Can you imagine a bride and a groom standing at the altar, and the groom looks at the bride and says, I'm so excited to be married, because we are minutes away from being fundamentally transform the human. That doesn't happen. That's not what marriage is about. That's not what leadership is about of America, transforming America. And I'm okay with tweaking, I want this country to be better, but fundamental transformation to what? She never said so, but I think, in the words of that city council candidate in April 2019, by the way, she went on to be elected during the summer of 2019. She now sits on the city council, and her, her, her vision of instituting what she is so corrupt, I mean, she even said uh, that if she caught the COVID virus, that she would go to a Trump rally in order to infect everybody there. with this is, this is what power means to a socialist in market. These people are the real uh, timers They're the real advocates of security. I think when you look at social media giants, Letting down free speech in America and yet advocating to letting the Chinese Communist Party tell them how to run their social media platform in their country to advance communism, to secure communism. These social media companies are nothing more than tyrants themselves when they shut down free speech because they find it objectionable when people advocate for the canceling the president off of Twitter. So it's got to go around the mainstream media because they're not doing a good job of reflecting what's, like what's actually been holding the existing distraction for the last three years. Um, tyranny belongs to the, to the far left. They're the ones, the socialists and Marxists. They love tyranny as a direct front to everything that the people hear the fundamental building blocks of a, of a um, civilization, a type of Western civilization.
0: It's definitely the fight. As we look at what's taking place on a world scale, so I want to—we we just have a little bit of time left. I want to talk to you about what do we do, and I know you've got a plan, and you, you've got something you're working on locally, and obviously, locally can affect nationally, nationally will affect sure. the world's world stage. Um, so, I want to talk to you about that, and I want—and I want to talk about how the church can be involved. Um, those two things, but let's just look real briefly on a world scale. Uh, we look at at the world news. There's always a focus on one specific nation, and that is the nation of Israel. Now, you look at what's going on in the news right now. What are you hearing about Israel? I
1: don't know, it's
0: crickets. I don't know. I'm not hearing very much at all right now. In so, what area of the world? Yeah. So what what we're hearing a lot right now is from Iran, Turkey. You know, these these areas are saying this. Look, Russia. We'll just let's just stop for a moment, and let's watch America destroy itself. And that's really their attitude. I mean, these are these are the reports coming from these nations from Iran, from Turkey, from Russia. Um, I mean, we we who know the Bible, and we who are watching, we just smell Ezekiel 38:39. We we know that these things are coming up. Um, they're saying, look, let's just get through the Trump preg- uh, presidency. Right. I almost said pregnancy. Right. <laughs> let's get through the Trump presidency. Let's just wait this out, right. and then let's just refocus it all. And you know there is going to come a point in time where we, the church, are gone. God's, and we're going to talk about that as we close. But there, there's the rapture of the church, and, and we're not going to be here, and God is going to refocus his attention on Israel. Right. And so it's very telling right now, seeing what's going on, seeing how all of a sudden – they're they're just stepping back from Israel. Let's let all the focus be on what they're doing. They're destroying themselves. Let's just get through this Trump presidency, and then we'll we'll start getting back to work. So, what do we do? We we have to occupy until he returns. So, you start with your start your sure. the political side of the solution, and I'll bring in the church side of it.
1: Well, you know, we need to talk about things that are unfolding on a world scale. There's very little that I think as an individual or a small group of folks can know that a world stage. You know, we're not involved in that. And you um, everything that's happening there, I, the only thing that I know that I can do is, do is to reach out to one person at a time, to activate them, to show them that there is a way that we can reclaim the lost territory. That book is actually mentioned, the blueprint which you can buy on Amazon and read, is a documentation of how how strategies and tactics were used to flip that state; Those are gender neutral. Mm-hmm. don't care right. about red and
0: blue. Right. right. And, and let me just throw in there. So God got upset at his own people because mm-hmm. he said, listen, the people of the world are more shrewd than you are. Right. God wants us to be shrewd as we tackle this problem. So these are principles. These are things we yeah, can sure put in place.
1: tactics strategies so we can do the same thing here. And it's done neighborhood by neighborhood working within uh, an area that you can directly influence, that you can directly impact. You can reach out. One of the things that I find uh, interesting is that in California, most of us don't know the, the people that live on a street outside of the five houses that we live. When I grew up, we knew everybody for blocks around. We knew their families, everybody. we knew their families, we knew where they went to school, we played. Nowadays, we don't have that. We need to neighborhoods down by knowing who they are, by letting them know what's going on. So um, all I can do is say that this is a, you know, all politics is local. You hear the, the folks say that. So we need to be influencing what unfolds in the neighborhoods so that we can influence what unfolds in our cities so that we can influence them, what unfolds in our counties, and our schools. The schools are so important. So, finding out who it is on the school board, being involved in, um, you know, what's your, you're, you're involved in the local school districts and uh, pushing on the curriculum that's, that's coming out right now. It's very important for people to be involved in their local school districts. You can do that neighborhood by neighborhood. So, we're just using this election as an opportunity to educate people about what's gonna be on the ballot in California, which is really important measures that are going to be on the ballot uh, um, with, uh, propositions and letting them know, because a lot of times people don't know until they have to fill their ballot out, but using that knowledge as a way to turn around with other neighbors and other people in their sphere of influence and educating them about it and saying, this election is for a lot of the chips. If we don't get these issues right, um, we could lose, something mean, they're looking at raising their the highest property tax increase in four years in California is on the ballot in California. Uh, we talk about law and order. Uh, there were propositions uh, six or seven years ago that the people of California voted for uh, that, weren't worded, that were not worded in a very deceptive way. that essentially allows people to go in and to a, uh, a store, a Walmart, uh, and walk out with $900 worth of merchandise in our police are so overwhelmed that now that's just a ticket. They're not gonna come out and write a ticket for this demeanor. So it reverses a lot of those. So there are some issues at play. There will candidates in candidates. So it has to be neighborhood by neighborhood and it has to be uh, someone that's willing to organize that. And right now we don't vacuum in that area that there's nobody doing that work. So I think we've entered an area that I call an era of political entrepreneurism, where you can do things an immense impact in your neighborhood, in your city, where there is a vacuum for discussing these things. And my God, I mean, it's, it's so easy to, to do that when you've got an era where they're talking about defunding police, dismantling police departments. People who live out there understand the moment that we're in because if you remove law and order, you're going to get more of what's, what's happening. And since they've done that in Minneapolis, you're seeing a lot of they drive rise in use of guns in New York City. There's a reason for law and order and it helps maintain peace. You know, you take away the peacekeepers of some of which you need to be, you know,
0: like... There's a bad egg in there's every... There's a bad
1: egg There's a bad teacher. There's a bad politician. Right. right. But they're using that, that rationale to grab political power. Right. right mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so we've got to get involved. On a local scale, we've got to get into the neighborhoods. This is the, the strategy that, that won over Colorado yep. for the left. So we have to implement similar strategies here. Let me talk on the church side of things. So um, Pastor Rob McCoy, a, a friend of ours, um, we look at what he's done, and he said something at, at an event that he and I spoke at together that really – echoed in my mind, and it was this, and we have to make sure that we hold pastors accountable. I'm a pastor. I have to be held accountable. In fact, there were several years ago where I was just kind of running around, and I I was not connected. I didn't have a pastor over me, and and I prayed for that, and God brought Pastor Tom Hughes into my life to be that person that I would be accountable to. We have to have accountability. God says that we are supposed to pray for those who are in authority over us as we seek to live quiet, peaceful lives we're supposed to and how many pastors say oh yeah let's pray for the people and then they give this general prayer. So my my exhortation to all the people tuning in is this. Talk to your pastors. Ask them who's on the city council? Who's on the school board? What's their wives going through? What's their kids going through right now? What are their prayer requests? How is it that we're praying for these people in power? Rob said that he did this in a group full of like 500 pastors. Pastor Rob said, "Look, I, I want to know how many of you know the the, the names, the their families, everything's on." He said, "You could have heard a pin drop in the right. room." And oh, politics. Right. Well, I don't get involved both. So how is it that we can preach from the pulpit, pray for those in authority, and we don't even know what to pray for? So re- have, my exhortation is: Have your pastors reach out to these politicians, get to know them. Get to know what's going on in their lives, how we can pray for them. Now, this is a lot of stuff, and we're out of time, so I want to leave everybody with this. Uh, and this is really important for us because a lot of this stuff is very heavy. It's hard, it's hard to take in, but what we, we have to know is there's a lot of hope for those of us that believe in Jesus Christ. We know that, that the Bible tells us that um, it tells us something so important here. It says that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with a voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And we who are alive and remain will be caught up. We will be raptured. Uh, we will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. I'm comforting you with these words of God in the Bible. God is coming back. He's going to rapture His church. If you are not right with the Lord, it is time to get yourself right. And I just want to encourage you to say this prayer in your heart after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come before you and admit that I have sinned. I have fallen short from your ways, and I repent. I turn from those ways, and I turn towards you, and I give you my life. Would you come into my life and be my Lord and Savior, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in. Don, thank you so much for coming out. I appreciate it. God bless you, Don. To everybody watching Hope for Our Times, God bless you. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer.